Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Happy Valentine's Day, O'Toole. I know it was a few days ago. Are you still celebrating? I am because Valentine's Day is the 25th anniversary of one of my top three films of all time, Silence of the Lambs. Did they really release it Uh, on Valentine's Day? (laughs) It was, and I thought maybe as a gift to me, you watched it over the weekend. What was the marketing back then? Give your loved one some chocolate, some roses, or a little (laughs) bit of skin? Well, you can laugh all you want, but it was sold out Every single theater in the country, every single session of it was sold out 25 years ago. So laugh all you want. It was a great date night Who movie. Knew? It was. It was a brilliant. I think it was a brilliant marketing tool, actually. Well, I knew they released He's Just Not That Into You on Valentine's Day, but I never knew that about Silence of the Lambs. Well, they did. And it was one of the smartest releases ever because you know what? It's the kind of film a guy wants to see, too. And what's interesting to me is, I don't know if you recall from an earlier podcast, but um, Jodie Foster begged for the role. They didn't want to give it to her. They wanted a million other people, including Michelle Pfeiffer, to have it. Yes. I guess who was one of the most famous? Uh, Who? Meg Ryan. Okay. Well, but they, you know, she understood him and he understood her and he gave her gifts. and, And I love that she had no romantic relationship, but it was the top movie for Valentine's Day 25 years ago. Just saying. You know what I was watching while you were watching your Silence of the Lambs? I did watch it again this weekend, by the way. Go ahead. I had no doubt. I was trying to catch up on House of Cards because, you know, the new season starts March 4th. It does, yep. Did you know Robin Wright has directed three of the episodes? I did. And who else has directed one of the episodes? I don't know. Jodie Foster. Oh, huh. Yes. I thought that this season was the most disjointed, this past one was the most disjointed, but I'm looking forward to the next one to see if they can bring it all together. And I believe we'll be down, by the way, in the Miami Film Festival on the 4th of March, right? Yes, that's the first day of the Miami International yes. Film Festival. and we will be there. So if anybody else is going to be there, let us know. We'd love to have coffee. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Valentine's Day, Netflix is launching Love, which is done by Judd... Um, Apatow. Yes, mm-hmm. but... They launched it four days after Valentine's Day. What were they thinking? They had to give people time to watch Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, as somebody who's in marketing by day, it is that moment where I just shake my head and say, I don't understand why four days you couldn't get it done four days earlier, which would have made it a huge hit all weekend. Everybody would have watched it. I don't know. I think I'm more likely to watch Silence of the Lambs. Do you know, is it supposed to be a happy look at it, love? It, I, I can't watched imagine. the trailer and absolutely love it. And I think... I think it's going to be fabulous. And I think it's, it shows the absurdity of some of the relationships we get ourselves into. But I, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's right up there with train wreck. I think it's really going to be good. Wow. Yeah. So there you have it. And then, you know, what else is, uh, the new seasons coming out, which we've waited almost a year for, um, happy Valley. The Americans, the Americans, the Americans. I think it's one of the top shows done. I love everyone in it. And um, anyway, so that's that's launching in a couple weeks, too. So we'll have to come back to that as well. But speaking of Happy Valley, whose name I cannot tolerate, why this amazing show from across the pond has a name like Happy Valley, which sounds like (laughs) Happy Days or, you know, this is a serious, serious drama. 
And I can't imagine why, you know, I care about names, as you know, and I, I just think it's an absurd name, and I wouldn't have watched it had had uh, Val not suggested that I do watch it. Happy Valley makes our listener Val happy. <laughs> this is not a happy, happy show, but it's now, it's very, very good, and I just want to take a few minutes to review it here, but uh, Val sent in something that I wanted to read around it, and, and, and it so mirrors exactly my point of view as well. Big props to writer Sally Wainwright, who also wrote The Great Last Tango and Halifax, one of mm-hmm. O'Toole's and my favorite. Um, I love the intertwining stories and characters. It was so well-written, tense and riveting. All the casts were great. Um, and really, she says, um, Happy Valley was so good and worked so well was because of the lead actress, Sarah Lancashire, um, who played Officer Catherine K. Wood. And that, you know, once again, Sarah should be in every movie that comes out of there. She's just an amazing actor. Yep. She and Sally Wainwright have had such a great collaboration. Yep. Sarah Lancashire won the BAFTA for Last Tango in Halifax, also written and created by Sally Wainwright. And she was nominated for the BAFTA, by the way, for Happy Valley. And if it had That's had a right. different name, I bet she would have won. Um, and it's such a different role, and she is so good. I mean, in Last Tango in Halifax, she played the school headmistress or headmaster, and here she plays a cop, and she does both roles so well. What okay, it's actress. so funny because you say she plays the cop, and certainly Val said she plays the cop. I think she plays a bunch of roles, but the main role she plays is mother and huh. grandmother. I, you know, she plays three roles. She's a police officer, she's a mother, and she's a grandmother. And I'm not and sure. And she's a sister. Val pointed out the evil Miss O'Brien from Downton Abbey plays her sister. She does. And, and by the way, you would never recognize her, her either. Nope. Never. Not in a million years. For Happy Valley, I've only seen the pilot. And one thing stood out as so masterful. When you think about your favorite TV shows, sometimes it's difficult to remember how we ever even met the main characters. Because, you know, when it becomes your favorite TV show, they've been with us for quite some time. But can you remember the very first time they stepped onto the screen and how that backstory came in? The first time Christina Yang stepped onto the screen, I totally remember it. Every moment of it, absolutely. In Happy Valley, I thought the opening scene with Sarah Lancaster, where she has to talk down a man in the town square who's threatening to light himself on fire. And she gets the call as the policewoman, and she has to talk to him. And when she says, you know, my name is so-and-so. I'm Catherine, by the way. I'm 47. I'm divorced. I live with my sister, who's a recovering heroin addict. I have two grown-up children, one dead, one who doesn't speak to me, and a grandson. It was a brilliant way to bring in her backstory and at the same time show how good she is at her job. The other thing that that scene does that you often also talk about is it adds a little layer of humor to offset the tension. And when you do that in a drama like that, it's brilliant. It sucked me in immediately because the stakes were high, the drama was heightened, Mm -hmm. there was humor. Very, very masterful writing. The first episode didn't, didn't wow me. And so, yes, and because I had heard such great things and read such great things about it, I watched episode two. I was hooked by the end of episode two. So if you get to the end of episode one and you're not hooked, then do not despair. Stick with it because it's worth every single minute of your time. It really is. It's a it's a great drama. It's a great story of family. It's a great story of of greed. It's a great story of retaliation. It's a great story all around. Fabulous TV. And we hope everybody 
will take and a moment yet, to watch it. I wasn't sure I could go beyond the pilot. It's a much darker series than something that's basically um, has more comedic strokes like Last Tango in Halifax. Yeah, it is. But do take a moment to watch it if you get if you get some time. And um, any listener comments this week? Yes, there's one I thought was fabulous from Lori in Boston about the first season of Mozart in the Jungle. She said there were so many things to like about season one, including how the characters struggle to navigate different socioeconomic worlds. Does he also do children's parties? I think he's amazing. The lines between genius and insanity and fantasy and reality are so blurry and that there's constant tension between pragmatism and imagination. I thought that was just great feedback. She said it's not a perfect show, but so many characters have endearing qualities. You can love them in spite of their flaws. It just goes to show smart people listen to us. (laughs) Okay, and now we're going to get to our main feature. We both went and saw 45 years this weekend. Finally. I feel like it took me 45 years to finally (laughs) see this movie. Yeah, I felt like I was in there for 45 years when I was watching it. Not because it wasn't great, but because it was just... You know, you need a little sugar when you're in. It's a really sad film. This from the person who watched Silence of the Lambs for Valentine's Day. Oh, Silence of the Lambs has great positive message. You know, see, you don't get it. Do we have to go here again? You don't get it. Silence of the Lambs has great positive relationships in it. You know, 45 years to me was the end, the end of a lifetime around a terrible secret that had to be hanging in the air through their entire marriage, which we're, we can't go into the, you know, we don't want to be a spoiler here. And it's not getting huge distribution and it's not getting a huge group coming in to see it. But it's a very, very sad tale that I think a lot, a lot of people have secrets, don't you think? And this is all about secrets. And this really is a great venue for an anniversary. So full of history, you see, like a good marriage. What is it? They found her. You you know who I'm talking about, don't you? We never talked about it in all the years that we've known each other. And it's tainted everything. You didn't know her? No. I didn't. No idea it was about a frozen body that after all these years the authorities have discovered in the Swiss Alps. What did you think he did it or something? Is that what you thought? I'm not sure I can rule it out. Uh I felt like I was watching shorthand code between two people who had had a lot of breakfast together. But really, it's about a really long relationship. you know, that a person thought was one way and then turns out they thought was another. And uh, I think the acting, can we talk about the acting for a minute? Boy, can the can British people act? What is it about British actors? Talk to me about these two actors and what you think, O'Toole. Amazing, right? Yes, so it stars, of course, Dame Charlotte Rampling in her Oscar-nominated turn, and Tom Courtenay, who was nominated way back in 1965 for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Dr. Zhivago. Wait, what did he play in Zhivago? 
He played Pasha. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I would never have recognized him. Uh-huh. Wow, he sure looks different now. <laughs> and, you know, when they rolled the credits at the end, I realized all the actors who got credit only totaled 10 people. And that's including Girl in the Cafe. This movie was completely yeah. carried by Charlotte Rampling. Didn't you think it could have been a play, maybe even better than a movie? I think it very much could have been a play. It was based on a short story in another country by David Constantine. Interestingly, you know how films are always filmed out of order based on production schedules. But because this movie was really shot on one location, they filmed it sequentially. As the story unraveled, the actors could actually progress with their characters. And so it was shot very much like a play. Huh. I didn't know that. Interesting. So often I'm just amazed that actors have to film a whole movie out of sequence. So they'll have to do a love scene first when they've just met their co-star. For example, um, Fifty Shades of Grey... One of the first scenes was the sex scene. I mean, can you imagine having to start with that? I I don't know. It's odd. Now, we should note, with the Academy Awards coming up in two weeks, that um, Charlotte Rampling was nominated for Best Performance in a Leading Role. Yes, she just turned 70, and it's only her first Oscar nomination. It is. And she also won the Best Actress for Alliance of Women Film Journalists uh, this year for for the same role. So good for her. It's an amazing part, because she has to show every possible human emotion. Joy and jealousy and anger. It's just incredible the emotions that can ripple across her face. You know, anger comes up often in a marriage, I think. You know, people get angry. That's part of relationships of learning to work through anger, to treat people respectfully when you're angry, stuff like that. The part that was hard to me in what was happening is to be with somebody for 45 years and for the first time feel betrayal. It makes you question, I would imagine, every single thing you've ever done with that person. You know, if this is, if this lie, if this secret was there, what other secrets are there? It makes you question the entire 45 years, which is why I think the name is a really good, I think it's a really good title, 45 years, don't you? I I totally agree. Did you read the book by Leanne Moriarty? It's called The Husband's Secret. Of course not. Why would I want to know a husband's (laughs) secret? It reminded me of this book very much. In the book, the wife goes up to the attic to find something for one of their kids, and she finds a letter by mistake addressed to her, but only to be read upon her husband's death. Her husband's alive and well and off on a business trip. And the whole question it raises for the character and the reader is, would you read the letter? Of course I would. For those who've read the book, it's very similar because it's the secrets kept in the attic. It's a letter, just like in 45 years, that threatens to upend what had been considered a long, happy, stable marriage. And it's the power of a secret that predates the marriage, just wreaking havoc on all the years that have come since. Right. So so the betrayal portion of it. Talk to me about the betrayal. What? Who exactly do you think betrayed who by doing what? Well, by not telling her the truth of his history. The truth being? Well, I I can't give it away, but the big secret that comes out at the end um, about the state of his (laughs) not-wife-wife, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of secrets in there that were never mentioned. Do you think that all their choices... The secrets around the whole... As the the movie unfolds, and again, we don't want to give it away, but as the movie unfolds, And it's not that he lied, it's what he didn't expose about his history that changed the person that he was. So the betrayal is 
did you a not trust me enough? B, did you do something wrong that you're, you know, that there's more to this story that makes it even worse? You know, why would you not tell me this part of your history? And how could I have lived so closely and intimately with you and not know this major part of your life? That's the betrayal. And if it's the first betrayal, if he what he seems like they were trying to show, certainly I think they laid out very well at the beginning that this was a very, very comfortable relationship where they trusted each other. And uh, and then there's the little parts where, you know, he's smoking, starts smoking, and she knows it, but he's denying it again. It's yet another, okay, how many layers of lies are there in this relationship? In the, and yet in the she has home? a cigarette as well. Right, well, um, no, but, but she's dri- know, she's driven to have a cigarette, not necessarily. As was he, really. I mean, I had sympathy for his statement, though, when he said, look, this happened right before I met you. It's not exactly something you lead with when you've met someone new. Yeah, well, but when you married them and 45 years later, by then you've told the story sometime. But why? Like, what would it have gotten him or her? Well, I I think part of the intimacy of relationships is it would have gotten him uh, an ability for her to see him and some of the pain and some of the things he's he's been through, you know. But don't you think it would have just caused her the pain that it caused in this movie? Because in this movie, he still doesn't tell her. She goes up to the attic and rifles through his slides. Well, I think exposing yourself is is the only way you can truly be intimate with somebody. And so if but you... But don't you think sometimes that's just an act of... Um, it makes it might make you feel good in that moment, but it's not exactly the most courteous I, thing you I, could I do to your spouse. I think in this case, it's too big a story not to tell. I think it's too big a, a, a an incident in your life to not share it over forty five years. And yet, she said the same year her mother had died, and she never discussed that with him. When you harbor that many stories untold, you do put up blocks from from intimacy. Huh. And yet you don't think it would have just made her feel more insecure like she did in the movie and it would have harmed their intimacy? It's like she's been standing in the corner of the room all this time behind my back. Oh, come on. And it's tainted everything. You don't withhold things because it might hurt somebody. You you go through the hurt together, meaning it's part of my life. It's part of where I've been. How can you be close to people if they don't know the parts of your life that might make them feel badly for you or badly or whatever? You know, look, it was a terrible tragedy that happened to him, and why wouldn't he share that with her? Did you believe a crevice just opened up in a glacier and she crashed to her death, or well, do you think he could have been if involved? He her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I totally wondered. Yeah, I yeah. thought the screenplay was gloriously vague in a way that was very European. You know how they say if at the end of the movie the character gets what they want, it's a comedy, and if they don't, it's a tragedy, and if you're not exactly sure what just happened, it's European? <laughs> I mean, I think people could go out from this movie and debate for hours afterwards the next five minutes of these two characters' lives, what's going to happen. Well, the other thing is, it might, you know, I would love to have gone, I, I saw this movie alone, but I would love to have gone this movie with ten really different kinds of people. And at the end, ask the questions of, do you think the crevice opened or do you think he pushed her? And you could see a lot about how we think. I mean, I, the non-trusting person that I am, would say, oh, I think maybe he pushed her. You know, I mean, something's wrong with that picture. Whereas somebody else, like my college roommate, Lori, would have said, oh, no, 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 it was a terrible tragedy. You know, our point of view, everybody brings their own point of view to any film, and point of view is so relevant. And this is such a great movie where points of view are not going to 
agree by so many people in a million questions, which is what makes it such a great movie. It was such a good symbol because then the movie became a second crevice opening up on this marriage where you think, are they both going to plunge to the marriage's demise? Yeah, exactly. Something that I thought was very interesting in David Constantine's original short story, it was actually told from the husband's point of view. And Andrew High, who did, he wrote the screenplay and directed the movie, he changed it to be from Charlotte Rampling's point of view and gave her a name. In the original short story, you just know her as Mrs. Mercer. Here in the movie version, it was Katya and Kate. And when there was that line about what color was her hair, and he's like, no, no, it was dark like yours. I thought there was that added vague creepy element of, was she just the ersatz Katya? But it was a great visual when she goes up to the attic and you see Charlotte Rampling looking at the slides and there's the image projected on the screen, her body language and the way she's holding her hands exactly mirrors Katya's in the slide from the 1960s. And I think that's great direction. I do. I think that's great. Well, who knows? She might have done some of it on her own as well. But I think this movie is very, very well directed. But again, I still see it as a play more. I really do. Well, there's tremendous emotional honesty. Mm -hmm. And again, I know I was talking about Foley last week, but when the movie opens and you see the opening titles with 45 years and Charlotte Rampling, you hear the advancing of a slide carousel. I thought, what a great sound effect, since that's going to play such a pivotal role later in the movie. I'd like to be able to tell you everything I'm thinking, but I can't. Do sound make such a big difference? It really does. It really, it adds another emotional layer to the movie. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there's a goof. Do you know the goof? No, I don't know the goof. Okay, in the kitchen, there's um, a clock on the wall behind the characters. And as in the case of so many films, the clock never moves. Time has stood still, frozen in their own Well, maybe they did it on purpose, but you know what? I really don't think so. The husband, when the movie started, he seemed so debilitated. And as the movie goes on, you know, you do realize why they didn't celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary. But I was not sure sure that he didn't have Alzheimer's. I didn't see it as all. I just saw it as as an older man who was tired and old. and And yet there's that line in the movie by her one friend who says, you know, he's so passionate. Remember when he called me a fascist? And I thought, was this supposed to be a passionate man? Again, I need that British emotion decoder ring to help yeah. me along here. Okay, ready? Ready? Your favorite quote. Okay. Oh. You really believe you haven't been enough for me? No, I think I was enough for you. I'm just not sure you do. Okay, can I just say, wow. That's an amazing piece of writing, truly. Yes. Charlotte Rampling is having quite a year. She's nominated for an Oscar for this movie. She was in season two of Broadchurch. Which we love. We love Broadchurch. And if you haven't listened to our podcast, you should. It's really good. I love Broadchurch. And she's also been in London Spy. Now, of these three that came out this year, which is your favorite character that Charlotte Rampling's portrayed? Oh, um, huh. Broadchurch. What about you? Really? Yeah. What's yours? I would say, well, London Spy, her turn is very brief, but I thought it was a fascinating addition to the plot that she plays the mother of the dead spy, a very wealthy woman. Did you realize your provocation was infantile before or after you came through that door? The, the part that made me sad about this movie, the part that dragged me down in this movie um, was there was no joy. And I wondered if they'd had joy. You didn't think they had joy when they were dancing together? 
Come on. What are you doing? Come on. I'm not prancing around in the living room at this time of night. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, but can I just say, whenever I see a dance scene like that, I almost feel like, okay, you stuck this in because you know that the audience is going to feel something, but I'm not quite sure that the dancing would have brought down the barriers that the past few weeks had put up. I didn't know if I bought that but part I of it. I think the dancing was necessary to have that juxtaposition oh, to the totally. last scene. And you've taught me that. You taught me that we all need relief through these kinds of dramas. But as a character, I you know, I wasn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have dinner with her. You know? Now Speaking do you know what which... they were in together? Do you know what Charlotte and Tom were in together? No. Night Train to Lisbon. Was he in that? Yep. Wow. Uh-huh. Did you see her in The Verdict with Paul Newman from 1982? Oh, my gosh, yes. I love that movie. Not as much as Silence of the Lambs, but I certainly thought it was good. And she was in Woody Allen's Stardust Memories. A very funny quote by Woody Allen. He once said that his ideal dinner party would include Charlotte Rampling and Kafka. Huh. (laughs) I know. I loved that. And it reminded me of a documentary Charlotte Rampling did. It's autobiographical, and it's called... The Look. It's a very philosophical documentary. If you are to give anything worthwhile of yourself, you have to feel completely exposed. Oh, it's no effort or nothing. That's like 50 years of, of work, Peter. Perspective has always been very different. Through all ages, you seem to look at yourself and look at life through a different prism. She's one of the actresses who's famously said that she would never say yes to plastic surgery, although she might need to on her eyelids because (laughs) she's so known for her hooded look. You know, those upside down eyes that can emote every possible human emotion. Um, But she said they really are getting lower and lower every year. And if they get any lower, she won't be able to read her script. She has a sense of humor. She didn't bring it to this role, that's for sure. Um, so to wrap it up, um, I do think what we want to say is this is the kind of movie you can go to at the last minute and it won't be sold out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Don't you think that's a good point? Come on. O'Toole. Do you know if it's going to get online distribution? I'm sure it will get online distribution. It has to just because of the players doing it and all the awards that it's won. It's won 43 awards. What a masterclass, truly, on expressing joy, jealousy, tentativeness, suspicion, love. Exactly. Enjoy the film uh, if you get a chance to go. 